Act Four of The Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four. Scene One. A hall in Petruchio's country house. Enter Grumio. Fie, fie on all tired jades on all mad masters, and all foul ways. Was ever man so beaten? Was ever man so rayed? Was ever man so weary? I am sent before to make a fire, and they are coming after to warm them. Now, were not I a little pot, and soon hot, my very lips might freeze to my teeth, my tongue to the roof of my mouth, my heart in my belly, ere I should come by a fire to thaw me. But I with blowing the fire shall warm myself, for, considering the weather, a taller man than I will take cold. Hola, ho, Curtis. Enter Curtis. Who is that that calls so coldly? A piece of ice. If thou doubt it, thou mayst slide from my shoulder to my heel with no greater a run but my head and my neck. A fire, good Curtis. Is my master and his wife coming, Grumio? Oh, ay, Curtis, ay, and therefore fire, fire, cast on no water. Is she so hot a shrew as she reported? She was, good Curtis, before this frost. But thou knowest, winter tames man, woman, and beast, for it hath tamed my old master, and my new mistress, and myself, fellow Curtis. Away, you three-inch fool, I am no beast. Am I but three inches? Why, thy horn is a foot, and so long am I, at the least. But wilt thou make a fire, or shall I complain on thee to our mistress, whose hand, she being now at hand, thou shalt soon feel to thy cold comfort, for being so slow in thy hot office? I prithee, good Grumio, tell me, how goes the world? A cold world, Curtis, in every office but thine, and therefore fire. Do thy duty, and have thy duty, for my master and mistress are almost frozen to death. There's fire ready, and therefore, good Grumio, the news? Why, Jack boy, ho boy, and as much news as thou wilt. Come, you are so full of coney-catching. Why, therefore... Fire, for I have caught extreme cold. Where's the cook? Is supper ready? The house trimmed, rushes strewed, cobwebs swept, the serving men and their new fustian, their white stockings, and every officer his wedding garment on. Be the jacks fair within, the jills fair without, and carpets laid, and everything in order. Already, and therefore I pray thee, news? First, know my horse is tired, my master and mistress fallen out. How? 
out of their saddles into the dirt, and thereby hangs a tale. Let's hot, good Grimio. Lend thine ear. Here. There. This tis to feel a tale, not to hear a tale. And therefore is called a sensible tale. And this cuff was but to knock at your car and beseech listening. Now, I begin. Imprimus, we came down a foul hill, my master riding behind my mistress. Both of one horse? What's that to thee? Why a horse? Tell thou the tale. But hadst thou not crossed me, thou shouldst have heard how her horse fell, and she under her horse. Thou shouldst have heard in how miry a place how she was bemoiled, how he left her with the horse upon her, how he beat me because her horse stumbled, how she waded through the dirt to pluck him off me, how he swore, how she prayed, that never prayed before, how I cried, how the horses ran away, how her bridle was burst, how I lost my crupper, with many things of worthy memory, which now shall die in oblivion, and thou return unexperienced to thy grave. By this reckoning he is more shrew than she. Ay, and that thou and the proudest of you all shall find when he comes home. But what talk I of this? Call forth Nathaniel, Joseph, Nicholas, Philip, Walter, Sugarsop, and the rest. Let their heads be sleekly combed, their blue coats brushed, and their garters of an indifferent knit. Let them curtsy with their left legs, and not presume to touch a hair of my master's horse-tail till they kiss their hands. Are they all ready? They are. Call them forth. Do you hear? Ho! You must be my master, to countenance my mistress. Why, she hath a face of her own. Who knows not that? Thou, it seems, that calls for company to countenance her. I call them forth to credit her. Why, she comes to borrow nothing of them. Enter several servants. Welcome home, Grumio. How now, Grumio? What, Grumio? Fellow Grumio. How now, old lad? Welcome, you. How now, you? What, you? Fellow, you. And thus much for greeting. Now, my spruce companions, is all ready, and all things neat? All things is ready. How near is our master? E'en at hand, alighted by this, and therefore be not. Cock's passion, silence, I hear my master. Enter Petruccio and Caterina. Where be these knaves? What, no man at door, to hold my stirrup, nor to take my horse? Where is Nathaniel, Gregory, Philip? Here, sir. Here, sir. Here, sir. Here, sir. Here, sir. You logger-headed and unpolished grooms. What? No attendance? No regard? No duty? Where is the foolish knave I sent before? Here, sir. As foolish as I was before. You peasant swain. You horse and malt horse dredge. Did I not bid thee meet me in the park, 
and bring along these rascal knaves with thee nathaniel's coat sir was not fully made and gabriel's pumps were all unpinked in the heel there was no link to colour peter's hat and walter's dagger was not come from sheathing there was none fine but adam ralph and gregory the rest were ragged old and beggarly yet as they are here are they come to meet you go rascals go and fetch my supper in exeunt some of the servants where is the life that late i led where are those sit down kate and welcome sod 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 re-enter servants with supper why when i say nay good sweet kate be merry off with my boots you rogues you villains when it was the friar of orders grey as he forth walked on his way out you rogue you pluck my foot awry take that and mend the plucking off the other be merry kate some water here what ho where's my spaniel troilus sirrah get you hence and bid my cousin ferdinand come hither exit servant one kate that you must kiss and be acquainted with where are my slippers shall i have some water come kate and wash and welcome heartily servant lets the ewer fall petruchio strikes him you whoreson villain will you let it fall patience i pray you twas a fault unwilling a whoreson beetle-headed flap-eared knave come kate sit down i know you have a stomach will you give thanks sweet kate or else shall i what's this mutton i who brought it i tis burnt and so is all the meat what dogs are these where is the rascal cook how durst you villains bring it from the dresser and serve it thus to me that love it not throws the meat etc at them there take it to you trenchers cups and all you heedless jolt heads and unmannered slaves what do you grumble i'll be with you straight i pray you husband be not so disquiet the meat was well if you were so contented i tell thee kate twas burnt and dried away and i expressly am forbid to touch it for it engenders choler planteth anger and better twere that both of us did fast since of ourselves ourselves are choleric than feed it with such overroasted flesh be patient to-morrow it shall be mended and for this night will fast for company come i will bring thee to thy bridal chamber exeunt petruchio caterina and curtis peter didst ever see the like he kills her in her own humour re-enter curtis where is he in her chamber making a sermon of contency to her and rails and swears and rates that she poor soul knows not which way to stand to look to speak and sits as one new risen from a dream away away for he is coming hither Excellent. re-enter petruchio thus have i politically begun my reign and tis my hope to end successfully my falcon now is sharp and passing empty and till she stoop she must not be full-gorged for then she never looks upon her lure another way i have to man my haggard to make her come and know her keeper's call that is 
to watch her, as we watch these kites that bait and beat, and will not be obedient. She eats no meat to-day, nor none shall eat. Last night she slept not, nor to-night she shall not, as with the meat some undeserved fault I'll find about the making of the bed, and here I'll fling the pillow, there the bolster, this way the coverlet, another way the sheets. Ay, and amid this hurley I intend that all is done in reverend care of her, and in conclusion she shall watch all night, and if she chance to nod I'll rail and brawl, and with the clamour keep her still awake. This is a way to kill a wife with kindness, and thus I'll curb her mad and headstrong humour. He that knows better how to tame a shrew, now let him speak. Tis charity to show. Exit. Scene two, Padua, before Baptista's house. Enter Tranio and Hortensio. Is't possible, friend Licio, that Mistress Bianca doth fancy any other but Lucencio? I tell you, sir, she bears me fair in hand. Sir, to satisfy you in what I have said, stand by and mark the manner of his teaching. They stand aside. Enter Bianca and Lucencio. Now, mistress, uh, profit you in what you read? What, master, read you? First resolve me that. I read that I profess, uh, the art to love. And may you prove, sir, master of your art. While you, sweet dear, prove mistress of my heart. They retire. Quick proceeders, marry. Now tell me, I pray, you that durst swear that your mistress Bianca loved none in the world so well as Lucentio. Oh, despiteful love, unconstant womankind! I tell thee, Licio, this is wonderful. Make no mistake, I am not Licio, nor a musician, as I seem to be, but one that scorned to live in this disguise. For such a one as leaves a gentleman, and makes a god of such a cullion, know, sir, that I am called Hortensio. Signor Hortensio, I have often heard of your entire affection to Bianca, and since mine eyes are witness of her likeness, I will with you, if you be so contented, forswear Bianca and her love for ever. See how they kiss and court. Signor Lucentio, here is my hand, and here I firmly vow never to woo her more, but do forswear her as one unworthy all the former favours, that I have fondly flattered her withal. And here I take the like unfeigned oath, never to marry with her, though she would entreat. Fie on her! See how beastly she doth court him! <laughs> would all the world but he had quite forsworn! For me, that I may surely keep mine oath, I will be married to a wealthy widow, ere three days pass, which hath as long loved me as I have loved this proud, disdainful haggard. And so farewell, Signor Lucentio. Kindness in women, not their beauteous looks, shall win my love. And so I take my leave, in resolution, as I swore before. Exit Hortensio. Lucentio and Bianca advance. Mistress Bianca, bless you with such grace as longeth to a lover's blessed case. Nay, I have ta'en you napping, gentle love, and have forsworn you with Hortensio. Tranio, you jest! But have you both forsworn me? Mistress, we have. Then we are rid of Licio. 
If faith, he'll have a lusty widow now that shall be wooed and wedded in a day. God give him joy. Ay, and he'll tame her. He says so, Tranio. Faith, he is gone unto the taming school. The taming school? What, is there such a place? Ay, mistress, and Petruchio is the master that teacheth tricks eleven and twenty long to tame a shrew and charm her chattering tongue. Enter Biondello, running. O oh, master, master, I have watched so long that I am dog-weary. But at last I spied an ancient angel coming down the hill will serve the turn. What is he, Biondello? Master, a mercantante, or a pedant, I know not what, but formal in apparel, in gait and countenance, surely like a father. And what of him, Tranio? If he be credulous and trust my tale, I'll make him glad to seem Vincenzio, and give assurance to Baptista Minola, as if he were the right Vincenzio. Take in your love, and then let me alone. Exeunt Lucentio and Bianca. Enter a pedant. God save you, sir. And you, sir, you are welcome. Travel you far on, or are you at the farthest? Sir, at the farthest for a week or two, but then up farther, and as far as Rome, and so to Tripoli, if God lend me life. What countrymen, I pray? Of Mantua. Of Mantua, sir? Marry, God forbid, and come to Padua, careless of your life. My life, sir? How, I pray, that goes hard. Tis death for any one in Mantua to come to Padua. Know you not the cause? Your ships are stayed at Venice, and the Duke, for private quarrel twixt your Duke and him, hath published and proclaimed it openly. Tis marvel, but that you are but newly come, you might have heard it else proclaimed about. Alas, sir, it is worse for me than so, for I have bills for money by exchange from Florence, and must here deliver them. Well, sir, to do you courtesy, this will I do, and this I will advise you. First tell me, have you ever been at Pisa? Ay, sir, in Pisa have I often been, Pisa renowned for grave citizens. Among them know you one Vincenzio? I know him not, but I have heard of him, merchant of incomparable wealth. He is my father, sir, and, sooth to say, in countenance somewhat doth resemble you. Biondello, aside. As much as an apple doth an oyster, and all one. To save your life in this extremity, this favour will I do you for his sake, and think it not the worst of all your fortunes that you are like to Sir Vincenzio. His name and credit shall you undertake, and in my house you shall be friendly lodged. Look that you take upon you as you should. You understand me, sir, so shall you stay till you have done your business in the city. If this be courtesy, sir, accept of it. Oh, sir, I do, and will repute you ever the patron of my life and liberty. Then go with me to make the matter good. This, by the way, I let you understand. My father is here looked for every day to pass assurance of a dower in marriage twixt me and one Baptista's daughter here. In all these circumstances I'll instruct you. Go with me to clothe you as becomes you. Excellent. Scene three. A room in Petruchio's house. Enter Caterina and Grumio. No, no, forsooth. I dare not, for my life. The more my wrong, the more his spite appears. What, did he marry me to famish me? Beggars that come unto my father's door upon entreaty have a present alms. If not, elsewhere they meet with charity. 
But I, who never knew how to entreat, nor never needed that I should entreat, am starved for meat, giddy for lack of sleep, with oaths kept waking, and with brawling fed. And that which spites me more than all these wants, he does it under name of perfect love. As who should say, if I should sleep or eat, t'were deadly sickness, or else present death, I prithee go and get me some repast. I care not what, so it be wholesome food. What say you to a neat's foot? Tis passing good. I prithee let me have it. I fear it is too choleric a meat. How say you to a fat tripe, finely broiled? I like it well, good Grumio. Fetch it me. I cannot tell. I fear tis choleric. What say you to a piece of beef and mustard? A dish that I do love to feed upon. Ay, but the mustard is too hot a little. Why, then the beef, and let the mustard rest. Nay, then I will not, and you shall have the mustard, or else you get no beef of Grumio. Then both, or one, or anything thou wilt. Why, then, the mustard without the beef. Beats him. Go, get thee gone, thou false deluding slave, that feeds me with the very name of meat, sorrow on thee and all the pack of you that triumph thus upon my misery. Go, get thee gone, I say. Enter Petruchio with a dish of meat, and Hortensio. How fares my Kate? What seating all amort? Mistress, what cheer? Faith as cold as can be. Pluck up thy spirits, look cheerfully upon me. Here, love, Thou seest how diligent I am, to dress thy meat myself, and bring it thee. Sets the dish on a table. I am sure, sweet Kate, this kindness merits thanks. What, not a word? Nay, then thou lovest not. And all my pains is sorted to no proof. Here, take away this dish. I pray you let it stand. The poorest service is repaid with thanks, and so shall mine, before you touch the meat. I thank you, sir. Signor Petruchio, fie, you are to blame. Come, Mistress Kate, I'll bear you company. Petruchio, aside. Eat it all up, Hortensio, if thou lovest me. Much good do it unto thy gentle heart. Kate, eat apace, and now, my honey love, will we return unto thy father's house, and revel it as bravely as the best, with silken coats and caps and golden rings, with ruffs and cuffs and farthingales and things, with scarfs and fans and double change of bravery, with amber bracelets, beads, and all this knavery. What, hast thou dined? The tailor stays thy leisure, to deck thy body with his ruffling treasure. Enter tailor. Come, tailor, let us see these ornaments. Lay forth the gown. Enter haberdasher. What news with you, sir? Here is the cap your worship did bespeak. Why, this was moulded on a porringer, a velvet dish. Fie, fie, tis lewd and filthy. Why, tis a cockle or a walnut shell, a knack, a toy, a trick, a baby's cap. Away with it. Come, let me have a bigger. I'll have no bigger. This doth fit the time, and gentlewomen wear such caps as these. When you are gentle, you shall have one too, and not till then. Hortensio, aside. That will not be in haste. Why, sir, I trust I may have leave to speak, and speak I will. I am no child, no babe. Your betters have endured me, say my mind, and if you cannot, best you stop your ears. 
my tongue will tell the anger of my heart, or else my heart concealing it will break. And rather than it shall, I will be free even to the utmost as I please in words. Why, thou sayest true, it is a paltry cap, a custard coffin, a bauble, a silken pie. I love thee well, in that thou likest not. Love me or love me not, I like the cap, and it I will have, or I will have none. Exit Haberdasher. Thy gown? Why, eh? Come, tailor, let us see it. Oh, mercy, God, what masking stuff is here? What's this, a sleeve? Tis like a demi-cannon. What, up and down, carved like an apple-tart? Here snip and nip and cut and slish and slash like to a censer in a barber-shop. Why, what in devil's name, tailor, call'st thou this? Hortensio, aside. I see she's like to have neither cap nor gown. You bid me make it orderly and well, according to the fashion and the time. Mary, and did, but if you be remembered, I did not bid you mar it to the time. Go hop me over every kennel home, for you shall hop without my custom, sir. I'll none of it. Hence, make your best of it. I never saw a better-fashioned gown, more quaint, more pleasing, nor more commendable. Belike you mean to make a puppet of me. Why, true. He means to make a puppet of thee. She says your worship means to make a puppet of her. O oh, monstrous arrogance! Thou liest, thou thread, thou thimble, thou yard, three-quarters, half-yard, quarter-nail, thou flea, thou knit, thou winter-cricket, thou, braved in mine own house with a skein of thread. Away, thou rag, thou quantity, thou remnant, or I shall so be meet thee with thy yard, as thou shalt think on prating whilst thou livest. I tell thee, I, that thou hast marred her gown. Your worship is deceived. The gown is made just as my master had direction. Grumio gave order how it should be done. I gave him no order. I gave him the stuff. But how did you desire it should be made? Mary, sir, with needle and thread. But did you not request to have it cut? Thou hast faced many things. I have. Face not me. Thou hast braved many men. Brave not me. I will neither be faced nor braved. I say unto thee, I bid thy master cut out the gown. But I did not bid him cut it to pieces. Ergo, thou liest. Why, here's the note of the fashion to testify. Read it. The note lies in throat, if he say I said so. Imprimis, a loose-bodied gown. Master, if ever I said loose-bodied gown, sew me in the skirts of it, and beat me to death with a bottom of brown thread. I said a gown. Proceed. With a small compassed cape. I confess the cape. With a trunk sleeve. I confess two sleeves. The sleeves curiously cut. Aye. There's the villainy. Error in the bill, sir. Error in the bill. I commanded the sleeves should be cut out, and sewed up again, and that I'll prove upon thee, though thy little finger be armed in a thimble. This is true that I say, and I had thee in place where thou shouldst know it. I am for thee straight. Take thou the bill, give me thy meat-yard, and spare not me. God a mercy, Grumio! Then he shall have no odds. 
Well, sir, in brief, the gown is not for me. Y'are the right, sir. Tis for my mistress. Go, take it up unto thy master's use. Villain, not for thy life. Take up my mistress's gown for thy master's use. Why, sir, what's your conceit in that? Oh, sir, the conceit is deeper than you think for. Take up my mistress's gown to his master's use. Oh, fie, fie, fie. Petruccio, aside. Hortensio, say thou wilt see the tailor paid. To tailor. Go take it hence. Be gone, and say no more. Hortensio, aside to tailor. Tailor, I'll pay thee for thy gown to-morrow. Take no unkindness of his hasty words. Away, I say, commend me to thy master. Exit tailor. Well, come, my Kate, we will unto your fathers, even in these honest, mean habiliments. Our purses shall be proud, our garments poor. For tis the mind that makes the body rich, and as the sun breaks through the darkest clouds, so honour peereth in the meanest habit. What, is the jay more precious than the lark, because his feathers are more beautiful? Or is the adder better than the eel, because his painted skin contents the eye? Oh, no, good Kate, neither art thou the worse for this poor furniture and mean array, if thou accountest it shame. Lay it on me. And therefore, frolic, we will hence forthwith, to feast and sport us at thy father's house. Go call my men, and let us straight to him, and bring our horses unto Long Lane End. There we will mount, and thither walk on foot. Let's see. I think tis now some seven o'clock, and well we may come there by dinner-time. I dare assure you, sir, tis almost two, and twill be supper-time ere you come there. It shall be seven ere I go to horse. Look what I speak, or do, or think to do. You are still crossing it. Sirs, let to alone. I will not go to-day, and ere I do. It shall be what o'clock I say it is. Why, so this gallant will command the sun. Exeunt. Scene four. Padua, before Baptista's house. Enter Tranio and the pedant dressed like Vincenzio. Sir, this is the house. Please it you that I call. Ay, what else? And, but I be deceived, Signor Baptista may remember me, near twenty years ago in Genoa, where we were lodgers at the Pegasus. Tis well, and hold your own in any case with such austerity as longeth to a father. I warrant you. But, sir, here comes your boy. Twigudi was schooled. Enter Biondello. Fear you not him. Sire Biondello, now do your duty thoroughly, I advise you. Imagine where the right Vincenzio. Tut, fear not me. But hast thou done thy errand to Baptista? I told him that your father was at Venice, and that you looked for him this day in Padua. Thou art a tall fellow. Hold thee that to drink. Here comes Baptista. Set your countenance, sir. Enter Baptista and Lucentio. Signor Baptista, you are happily met. To the pedant. Sir, this is the gentleman I told you of. I pray you stand good father to me now. Give me Bianca for my patrimony. Sup, son. Sir, by your leave, having come to Padua to gather in some debts, my son Lucentio made me acquainted with a weighty cause of love between your daughter and himself. And, for the good report I hear of you, and for the love he beareth to your daughter and she to him, to stay him not too long, I am content in a good father's care to have him matched. And, if you please to like no worse than I, upon some agreement me shall you find ready and willing. 
with one consent to have her so bestowed. For curious I cannot be with you, Signor Baptista, of whom I hear so well. Sir, pardon me in what I have to say. Your plainness and your shortness please me well. Right true it is, your son Lucentio here doth love my daughter, and she loveth him, or both dissemble deeply their affections. And therefore, if you say no more than this, that, like a father, you will deal with him, and pass my daughter a sufficient dower, the match is made, and all is done. Your son shall have my daughter with consent. I thank you, sir. Where, then, do you know best we be fied, and such assurance tain as shall with either part's agreement stand? Not in my house, Lucentio, for you know pictures have ears, and I have many servants. Besides, a gremio is hearkening still, and haply we might be interrupted. Uh, then at my lodging, an it like you, there doth my father lie, and there this night will pass the business privately and well. Send for your daughter by your servant here. My boy shall fetch the scrivener presently. The worst is this, that at so slender warning you are like to have a thin and slender pittance. It likes me well. Come you, hie you home, and bid Bianca make her ready straight. And, if you will, tell what hath happened. Lucentio's father is arrived in Padua, and how she's like to be Lucentio's wife. I pray the gods she may, with all my heart. Dally not with the gods, but get thee gone. Signor Baptista, shall I lead the way? Welcome, one mess is like to be your cheer. Come, sir, we will better it in Pisa. I follow you. Exeunt Tranio, Pedant, and Baptista. Cambio. What sayest thou, Biondello? You saw my master wink and laugh upon you. Biondello, what of that? Faith, nothing, but has left me here behind to expound the meaning or moral of his signs and tokens. I pray thee, moralize them. Then thus, Baptista is safe, talking with the deceiving father of a deceitful son. And what of him? His daughter is to be brought by you to the supper. And then? The old priest at St. Luke's Church is at your command at all hours. And what of this? I cannot tell, except they are busied about a counterfeit assurance. Take your assurance of her com privilegio ad imprimendum solum to the church, Take the priest, clerk, and some sufficient honest witnesses. If this be not that you look for, I have more to say. But bid Bianca farewell for ever and a day. Hear'st thou, Biondello? I cannot tarry. I knew a wench married in an afternoon, as she went to the garden for parsley to stuff a rabbit. And so may you, sir, and so adieu, sir. My master hath appointed me to go to St. Luke's to bid the priest be ready to come against you, come with your appendix. Exit. I may and will, if she be so contented. She will be pleased. Then wherefore should I doubt? Hap what hap may, I'll roundly go about her. It shall be hard if Cambio go without her. Exit. Scene five. A public road. Enter Petruccio, Caterina, Hortensio, and servants. Come on, in God's name, once more towards our fathers. Good Lord, how bright and goodly shines the moon. The moon? The sun! It is not moonlight now. I say it is the moon that shines so bright. I know it is the sun that shines so bright. Now by my mother's sun, and that's myself, it shall be moon, or star, or what I list. Or ere I journey to your father's house, go on and fetch our horses back again, evermore crossed and crossed, nothing but crossed. Say as he says, or we shall never go. Forward, I pray, since we have come so far. 
and be it moon or sun or what you please, and if you please to call it a rush-candle, henceforth I vow it shall be so for me. I say it is the moon. I know it is the moon. Nay, then, you lie. It is the blessed sun. Then God be blessed, it is the blessed sun. But sun it is not when you say it is not, and the moon changes even as your mind. What you will have it named, even that it is, and so it shall be so for Catherine. Petruchio, go thy ways, the field is won. Well, forward, forward, thus the bull should run, and not unluckily against the bias, but soft, company is coming here. Enter Vincenzo in a travelling dress. To Vincenzo. Good morrow, gentle mistress, where away? Tell me, sweet Kate, and tell me truly, too, hast thou beheld a fresher gentlewoman? Such war of white and red within her cheeks, what stars do spangle heaven with such beauty as those two eyes become that heavenly face? Fair, lovely maid, once more good day to thee. Sweet Kate, embrace her for her beauty's sake. Ah, we'll make the man mad to make a woman of him. Young budding virgin, fair and fresh and sweet, Whither away, or where is thy abode? Happy the parents of so fair a child, Happier the man whom favourable stars allot thee For his lovely bedfellow. Why, how now, Kate? I hope thou art not mad. This is a man, old, wrinkled, faded, withered, And not a maiden, as thou sayest he is. Pardon, old father, my mistaking eyes, that have been so bedazzled with the sun that everything I look on seemeth green. Now I perceive thou art a reverend father. Pardon, I pray thee, for my mad mistaking. Do, good old grandsire, and withal make known which way thou travellest, if along with us. We shall be joyful of thy company. Fair sir, and you, my merry mistress, that with your strange encounter much amazed me, my name is called Vincentio, my dwelling Pisa, and bound I am to Padua there to visit a son of mine, which long I have not seen. What is his name? Lucentio, gentle sir. Happily met. The happier for thy son, and now by law, as well as reverend age, I may entitle thee my loving father, the sister to my wife, this gentlewoman, thy son by this hath married. Wonder not nor be not grieved she is of good esteem her dowry wealthy and of worthy birth beside so qualified as may beseem the spouse of any noble gentleman let me embrace with old vincentio and wander we to see thy honest son who will of thy arrival be full joyous but is this true or is it else your pleasure like pleasant travellers to break a jest upon the company you overtake. I do assure thee, father, so it is. Come, go along, and see the truth hereof, for our first merriment hath made thee jealous. Exeunt all but Hortensio. Well, Petruchio, this has put me in heart. Have to my widow, and if she be froward, then thou hast taught Hortensio to be untoward. Exit. End of Act Four.